I'm going to read through, just like we have been, we're, we're plugging our way slowly but surely through Luke chapter 6. And just like I said last week, each week I want to read the Sermon of Jesus's. I want to read through it up to where we're at. So I've got it on the slides. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read through where we're at up to this point. Uh, so each week it gets a little bit longer to get through what we've covered so far in this sermon. But I think uh, hearing it all together can be very impactful. So I want you to just listen to this, this, this sermon that Luke has recorded for us that we're reading today. And so I'm going to start with Luke chapter 6, verse 20. As soon as I'm done reading, we will uh, go through, uh, or I'll pray, and then we'll dig into the new portion for this week. So Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For, For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He told them also a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. 
how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. In our new portion for today. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take another bite of this sermon and dig into it, I would ask that you would guide and direct my thoughts, my words, Lord, as I pray that you've guided my study, I would pray now that you would guide to the result of that. I pray that what is said today would be true to your word. Or finally, I pray that you'd help us to be ready to listen. If we have ears to hear, let us listen to this. In your name I pray, amen. A little bit of an introduction here, okay? I'm going to tell you right now, I've, I've condensed what I want to talk about today. There's, there's so many avenues I could go, but there's one particular thought I really want to drive in on today, okay? This particular thought, as soon as uh, I'm thinking back to my Tuesday of this week, as soon as I was encountering my own Tuesday, I knew exactly I was thinking ahead of what this passage was, and something happened Tuesday that maybe we go, oh, man, that, that's right there. That's right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. For those of you that don't know, some of you that are newer, uh, I'm not just the pastor of a church. I'm also the dean at Danville High School, one of the two deans, the disciplinary deans. If you would like to hear stories, I've got some good ones, okay? Um, on Tuesday, we had a, a district-wide kickoff. They bribed us with $200 a person to show up and enjoy this kick. If you come early to this kickoff, we'll give you 200 bucks. And I couldn't, we earned every penny of it, didn't we? we? We earned every penny of that 200 bucks. We heard from an individual named Dr. Stuart Ablon. I'm going to put his bio up there for you today. I don't expect you to read it. Let me read a little bit of it. Dr. Ablon is associate professor at Harvard Medical School, founder and director of Think Kids at Massachusetts General Hospital, and the author of three books, yada, 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 yada. <laughs> okay, now, I, I'm going to teach you a very important theological tool when dealing with J. Stewart Ablon, Ph.D., Department of Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital, associate professor and the Thomas G. Stenberg Endowed Chair in Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. You ready to hear this important theological response when you start getting that kind of information? You ready for it? No, no, I, this is important. 
you, I mean, if you know how to do this, this stops so many things from happening. Just right, right when it's going on, you just, it, it, whether you're right-handed or left-handed, doesn't matter. I'm right-handed. It goes up here. And then with your tongue, you go. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Stuart Ablam, <laughs> the, it stops it right there. I, because I was sitting next to my wife, did not do that in the middle of this presentation. But I was tempted to many times. There was multiple occasions where my hand was on its way up for a proper, and I don't know how you spell that. I wanted to put it in my notes to do that, but T-H-B-B-T, I don't know how to spell that that's what I wanted to do. And my wife kept looking at me out of the corner of my eye going, honey. I was acting like my dad. Oh, he's out there. That's what he does. He just sits and growls. I'd like to give you three honorable mentions of things that I learned from Dr. Stuart Ablon. Okay. I, I, I wanted to ask for the slides. I wanted, like, it was a slide presentation. I wanted to ask for the slides, but I felt it might be weird saying, hey, could I get a copy of your slides? I need this for a sermon uh, illustration of something stupid this Sunday. Can I... I I felt that probably wasn't the best idea. One of the things he had up on his slides was this. Conventional wisdom states that a person exhibits challenging behavior. Now, in a school situation, children were exhibiting challenging behavior. Conventional wisdom says they do that because that's what they want to do. And I heard that and I thought... Um, yeah, <laughs> that's some good wisdom. That's the problem. In fact, for years of teaching, one of the key questions I ask when I talk to a student, student was, what did you want when you did that? <sighs> he told us that was wrong. Number two, I'll give you another one. Yeah, he said it. It's wrong. Yeah. No, it's okay. I wasn't the only one wanting to do this. Number two. I'll give you another one he said. He said, science teaches that a person doesn't do the right thing because they don't have the skills. Maybe we can get a collective... Science teaches that a person doesn't do the right thing because they don't have the skills. They want to, they just don't know how. And as I sat in the Fisher Theater with the District 118 teachers, you would be amazed at how, many of the, how, how much of this I saw going on across the theater. Oh, hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. By the way, there, there's, there's in, in that thought, there's something that's almost right, but it misses it entirely. <laughs> there is something in there almost right, misses it completely, and I'll talk about that on a different day. Almost, almost right, but completely wrong. How could you be so close to being right and just miss it completely? 
By the way, he also had a slide up there that said, if you don't agree with this, literally, this is when I, I wasn't quick enough on the draw with my phone to get a picture of it. It literally said, if you don't believe this, you have two choices. You're either going to go with science or go with your bias. You're either biased or you're going to believe the science. So if I was sitting there disagreeing, he was saying, oh, that, the reason why you're disagreeing is because you're biased. Oh. Yeah, your science is biased. Okay. Yeah, see, so you guys, we're smart enough. We don't have to have a Ph.D., to know this is stupid. Oh, sorry, Doctor Dave. Uh, number three. You'll love this one. How do we? Part of his the way you approach this and deal with this, knowing these important truths that. Not their fault. They just don't have the skills. We should never seek to impose our will on somebody else. Now, I had a hard time not just going, but going, whoa, up, because I was forced against my will to wear a mask into that building. I know. I don't think there's any mask in here. If you feel differently about that, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to. It was great because the very end of the day, they said, um, this doesn't just go with students. We need to do this with our colleagues, which I assure you, my wife took full advantage of as she showed up at work. And she said, maybe the reason why I have a tendency to sometimes be late to work is because I don't have the skills. I really want to. I just don't have the skills to be on time. And, and her boss had the nerve to try to enforce his will on her. Right after that meeting. It's the, <laughs> uh. After a day of that, I think he finally looked at you and said, shut up. <laughs> uh. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of things I could say about those things. Let me go back to the passage again. I think you're going to see there's a, a strong connection between the wrongness of what he was presenting. And I don't know if I'm going to have a full time to expand on this today, but one of the things I, I hope you'll see is that when you, when you start off with something so seemingly so small, but essential to human nature, and you start going, you, you can end up in some terrible places. I mean, frankly, he was like, people, you know, 50 years ago, they had, this is what they believed, and it was so wrong. And I wanted to go, kids were a lot better behaved 50 years ago than they are today. I mean, just 20 years ago, I didn't have kids that would have the audacity to look me in the, the eye and say, F you, Mr. Harmless. That's a, <laughs> that can be a daily occurrence. Maybe they don't have the skills. Oh, no, this one's recorded. I made sure. Bring it on. All right. Back to Jesus. And, and really, there was so many things I looked at, but the one specific one that I honed in on had to do with this passage and the, the wrong teaching that was happening, the, the false idea that was happening in that meeting. 
because it's not like everything he said was terrible. There's a lot of things he said that was really good. Like when you're talking with kids, like there's a way to talk with students, especially ones that come from different backgrounds that have not learned some of these things yet. That's what he's trying to say is with the lack of skills. But, but the, the reality is that there, there are some good ways you can approach. So he wasn't completely off in, in some of the things, but he was completely off in his, his premise. And that's what I want to talk about today, and that's what Jesus talks about. Jesus says this, this next portion. Don't forget we just came from getting specks out of your brother's eye, getting a log out of your own. I think it's going to be important in understanding this. Jesus says a little bit of horticulture. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Any questions yet? Each tree is known by its fruit. This is really easy to understand, isn't it? Good trees, what do they make? Good fruit. Bad trees make what? Bad fruit. That's an easy principle to follow. I didn't need a PhD in horticulture to figure that one out. Let's go a little bit more, because I don't want you to think that the bad fruit... It's not... They're not... He's not saying... Like, if I went out and I looked at this apple tree and... I'm like, oh, these apples are rotten. I must have planted a rotten apple seed. That's not how that works. <laughs> right? When he's talking about good fruit and bad fruit, he's not talking about literally there's this type of fruit that could be good or bad. In fact, I can show this to you by the very next sentence that he says. For, that's what he's talking about, figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Nobody has ever gone out to a bramble bush and said, i got to find some grapes. That doesn't make any sense. Now, I was almost prepared illustration-wise. I knew that we had on our property a thorn tree. And I was going to also grab a piece of fruit, and I forgot. But fortunately, Amanda showed up and helped me out. She brought the fruit of the field, (laughs) some corn. So for illustration purposes, my fruit, oh no, I dropped it. Now it's cream corn. Um, yeah, we got one of these trees out in the back. So wherever Wesley is, don't go climbing trees out there because <laughs> this is what he's saying though. And more importantly, what he's saying is this. I wouldn't go and pick this And think, well, this is a really good corn plant. It's just making thorns. That would be idiotic. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you you wouldn't go, look at this corn. (laughs) It lacks the skills to make the corn. (laughs) Good one, good one. This is specifically what Jesus is teaching. This is a very easy principle to understand. A thorn tree makes thorns. And in reverse, you, if you look and you go, where, what did this come off of? I would know this where this came. The tree this came off of was not an apple tree. Do figs grow on trees? Trees? Fig tree? Olive tree? No. This was a thorn tree. In fact, I asked my dad, I went out to get one. You probably, probably saw me go out there. I was like, oh, I forgot to get the thorn. Uh, 
I went out there and I said, Dad, where's that thorn tree? I need a thorn branch. Why, why, did I, why didn't I say, hey, where's the walnut tree? I need a thorn branch. That doesn't make, see what I'm saying? It's an easy, easy principle. And this is what Jesus is teaching. But now let's consider what, I'm going to put this over here so I don't stab myself. That was a very sharp one. Um, let's take a look at what specifically, so Jesus, here's the principle Let's dig down into it. What is the fruit? What's the tree? What are we talking about? Jesus, what's, what are you referring to here? He says this next. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces what? Good. The evil person, out of the evil treasure, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, or some versions say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, it's very important. Don't take a parable. Don't try to take it further than it's meant to go. If you, if you read a parable and you, you start going, okay, so that means that this, and the, I bet the tree is, is this, and that. No, no, this is a very simple principle. If you're getting these, you got a thorn tree problem you don't just have a thorn problem you got a thorn tree problem and if you want this <laughs> if you want a corn tree I, th I don't have a PhD in horticulture like I know I'm not a farmer <laughs> these don't grow on trees um, if you want corn you plant corn to grow corn. And if you don't have the corn, you're probably lacking. You're not, you just don't go, I'm lacking the corn. No, you go, I'm, lack, I'm lacking corn plants. And that's the point that Jesus is making. What does this mean for us? I told you it's a simple principle today. I'm going to be so straightforward. You guys will be shocked. Number one. <laughs> See, I'm already shocked. Number one. I think one of the first things that we can get from this is that a proper explanation of behavior can be traced to a proper understanding of the heart. The heart in the Bible is the seat of the will. It's who you are. A lack of understanding here can destroy everything. Frankly, in this education situation, I think about that. I think if you, if you miss this, it's so difficult to help a child deal with their behavior. If they can't trace the fact that that behavior, if they can't figure out that, man, I was doing this to my friend. If you can't trace it back and figure out the real problem is right here. What's the hope? I'll mention this a little bit more later, but so often it has to do with your environment or your surroundings. But I'm telling you right now, your bad behavior did not come from the person sitting next to you or the other person in your life or it did not originate there. It came from you. That's a hard truth, isn't it? 
we, we would rather say, I did what I did. You made me angry. Right? Now, part of this I want to deal with a little bit here. I, I'm not going to be able to get through the whole thing, but just a little, very quickly. We are guilty. You have to understand we're guilty because of guilty hearts ultimately. There's a big picture there. This is not the main point Jesus is presenting, but we have to understand we're dirty from the inside out. I want to share with you just a few passages. Because God has the remedy for this, and the remedy is not better behavior. The remedy is a new heart. In the Old Testament, they knew this was coming. They didn't understand the fullness of how God would do it, but they knew it was coming. In Ezekiel 11, the prophet Ezekiel says, and I will speak on God's behalf. God says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove that heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, living heart. God says, I'm going to change you from the inside out. And I want to tell you today, if you're sitting here and you're going, I'm having trouble doing the right thing, this is where God's remedy lies, a changed heart. And he says, I'll do it. I'll give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. That heart of stone, you can get rid of that thing and put a heart of flesh. Boom, 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 boom. Yes. Right? Ezekiel 36 says it again, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jeremiah also says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. The in, in, it's in. It's going to start inside here. Let it grow out. This is how it works. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. This is why you have in the New Testament, God finally shows up in the flesh as Jesus Christ. And he starts talking about this saving work. He talks about it in some drastic ways. One of our favorites that we know, we've heard, is when he's talking to this Pharisee who knew all the right things to do. He knew what he was supposed to produce. And Jesus looked at him and he said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom. You, you can't even see it. What you need is to be born again in the very next chapter of john he's talking to another person and he describes the same the same idea in a different way he puts it in these terms he says whoever drinks of the water that i will give them will never be thirsty again the water that i will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life See, the, the, the picture changes a little bit you see the, they're all the same the same thing what i'm going to do is going to start in here and it's going to grow itself out and so often, what do we do when we try to change? It, I mean, think about how many of you have tried, and I know this because I have tried to be a good Christian boy by adopting all the right behaviors. Does that work? No. What you need is a supernatural destruction of what used to be there and a planting of something new. Paul talks about it in these terms. You were dead. You're like a dead body. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and he goes on to describe that but he gets to 
Verse 40 says, but God, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And whatever you're dealing with, understand that at the root of what's going on, the, the hope in life and death, our only hope is this Jesus Christ who saves to the uttermost from the inside out. Unlike trees, this, for us, looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Again, like I said a minute ago, I'm not gonna have time to get into all of where this, where this goes because the parable is not saying, well, this tree is the, this, you gotta realize that us as Christians, I'll talk about this more in just a second, us as Christians, when that change happens, we're, that new heart, it's stuck inside of something else. And you got this old stupid brain that's been wired to think a certain way for a long time, and that growing out process, right? Now, I'm going to give you a slight little, little picture because this is all about self-examination. I, I don't think that this passage is about looking at other people and inspecting their fruit. I can, but that's not its primary purpose. To go around and go, you're a little thorny. You're a thorn bush. <laughs> okay. The, the thing is, you start looking at behaviors in your life. And you got, it's like this. And what Jesus is talking about right here is going, wait, oh, this, this has got to go. Let's start tracing this thing down. Because what's got to go is not just these things here. You ever try to get rid of a dandelion? You ever pull, you go to pull one of those, you go, and it, it, it snaps. Because that root, that dandelion root is so deep. Hey, who's, who's experienced it? And you start to learn after a while as a, you know, uh, somebody that's trying to, I don't really care what my lawn looks like. If you don't believe me, drive past it sometime. Um, uh, but, but you, if you ever want to get rid of one of those dandelions, you learn after a while, you can't just grab that thing and pull. You got to like get your hand down in the dirt or get like a spade or something, because if you don't, and that's, that's the reality. That's what this is about. This is about you looking at, he was just talking about self-examination. It's about you looking and going, I just cussed my boss out. Where'd that come from? I just got really ticked off for almost no reason and lost my temper and screamed and yelled. Where'd that come from? See, that's what this is about. Ooh, I lied. Where'd that come from? I was being lustful. Where did that come from? And many of us, we want to try to break these things off, right? Or at least do one of these when we go to church. I'm ready to serve Jesus. <laughs> Put on our Sunday best and go to church and look really good. Focus on self-examination. Let's take a, a, here's a second idea I think you can learn from this. This is going to be hard. Situations and people. 
are not the cause of behavior, but they can be the catalyst for heart revelation. You start to see these things in a right way. Because if this other stuff is true, and you start to understand the human heart, and you understand your own heart, you start to realize, you guys know what a catalyst is in, in science? A catalyst is like something, like you could have these two volatile things, and, and the catalyst is the thing you add to it, and it causes, gets the chain reaction started. You've got to start to see situations and people are a catalyst. And they're revealing something that is inside of you. Mm. Mm -hmm. You did not get angry. They did not make you angry. You got angry because you're an angry person. You got some anger down in the depths of your heart. That's the problem. You're never going to get success in this Christian life until you understand this important principle that District 118 chucked out the window. That you're doing what you're doing because of something in you, not them. They can't make you do anything. You did what you did because of you. And the way to solve the problem is primarily to start at its root and dig down deep. And that can be painful. You start digging in there. You start finding out what's really going on. Lord Jesus, pull that out. You start to find there's some stuff deep inside there that you really, really want bad. And you're willing to do anything to get what you want. I just want my kids to be good kids. And you're willing to scream and yell. You're willing to lie to others that your kids are doing fine. And there's all kinds of things you end up saying, I'm willing to do about anything to get what I want. And that's hard. I want to mention specifically not just the behavior, but the words. I think I skipped a point here. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person, no, I'm, I'm right on track. evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And did you catch that last little phrase? For out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So not just these things you're doing, but also the, the things that you're saying. Paul Tripp on this, he has a book called War of Words, and he says this, he says, it's very tempting to blame others or to blame the situation around us, but word problems reveal heart problems. The people and situations around us do not make us say what we say. They are only the occasion for our hearts to reveal themselves in words. So you can't say, and if you've been saying this forever, when you say something, you ever said something real mean? Lash out. And then later on when you're feeling bad about it, how, how many of you have ever done this? That wasn't me. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was you. You came out. You had you hidden pretty good. You were like this. 
right? And then that person said that thing you don't like, and what sprung out? Oh, I'm going to stab you. Right? And then later on when you're feeling bad, you get rid of it. You put this back up and you go, that wasn't me. I'm flowers. <laughs> if you hadn't have said that, I never would have done something so mean. It's really your fault. Now, again, this is, man, this is a hard truth. I mean, this is, this is difficult because you, when, you, when you get this truth in your head... This starts to become really difficult because then all your excuses get wiped away. And you start to have to deal with stuff. And so let me put this last one up here. I think this is what you need to do. Is with this idea in mind, do this. Pray for new hearts. Acknowledge bad roots. Okay? Now, ultimately, big picture. Christ died on the cross, rose again so that he could give you a new heart and a new mind. But as you live this Christian life, I'm going to stop picking up the flowers and go back to the corn. As you live this Christian life and you're looking at this stuff, you got to start going, there's some of this still in there, this flesh that I'm stuck in. And you start to identify there's some of this, you see something good, and you, you, people that are Christians and understand this, they do the same thing. When they, when they do something good, every single one of them, they go, that wasn't me. That was Christ in me. That, that, see, they're just speaking the truth of what this is. That, that wasn't me. I, I would stab you in the eyeball. But it, Jesus, Jesus, he's <laughs> producing some corn, right? But you got to start going. When these things pop out, and some of you, this is literally what it's like. It, you can keep your physical body from doing the wrong thing, but man, it, your mouth is the great revealer, right? And people do stuff, and, and that's what it's like. And you start to go, where'd that come from? That's you, that's your heart revealing itself. Salvation is what you need. Pray for new hearts. That part of praying for new hearts, sometimes for some of you, that may be where it starts. You may go, Maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe what I really need is to get saved. Lord, I, I'm going to cry out to you. Lord, save me. Save me from who I was. And I guarantee everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he starts that saving work in you. And if you have never really gotten to the place where like, Lord Jesus, save me from me. Not just from dying and go to heaven, save me. I guarantee everybody who calls out to him, there's not one person that will come to Christ that he'll go, nope, too thorny. He specializes in giving new hearts. That's his specialty. And he'll do it. And you'll start to see that growth. That other stuff is still there. Pray for new hearts, but acknowledge bad roots. When you see that stuff, I'm going to tell you right now, the most important thing you ought to do, I'm telling you right now, is acknowledge where it came from. Stop saying, I'm, I'm so sorry that I said that to you. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Maybe the problem is that you did. 
Let me share two more passages with you. I have three more, but two right now. Hebrews 8, talking about the same idea again, this new heart. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is Hebrews quoting that one of those passages I read to you a moment ago, declares the Lord. Will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is what happens at salvation. New heart. God's law is in there. Right? It's going to grow because God is powerful. And there's not a person on this planet that once that spirit has been planted in you, you can't stop it. God can overcome the thorniest of hearts. But Paul the Apostle even puts it this way. Now, there's a big section in Romans 7 that I love, but there's this one part I'll share this little bit with you. I think captures a bit of what's going on. He says, I find it to be a law that I want, I want to do right. He's speaking from that new regenerated heart. When I want to do right, there's, there's that, that's in there. Evil lies close at hand. And if you're confused about what that is like, that evil lying close at hand also feels like want. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, like deep down inside you go, I know what the right thing is to do. I, want, I know I want to do the right thing. And that flesh craves. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members, arm, brain. See my members, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. You see what he's talking about there? There's a lot of ways that we can look at that Romans 7 passage, but I think in this particular case, I think this is what it's attempting to capture the heart of, I'm in here, been made new, but I'm stuck in this body of flesh. In fact, that right over there says, who can save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And that saving work, happens in a moment, but continues to happen your whole life and will be completed on the day of death. That last little thorny bush, when you die, it's free. In the meantime, acknowledge this to yourself and to others. I'm sorry that I would have been a person that would have said that to you. This isn't your fault, that's mine. I'm sorry that I've got this heart of anger. The Lord's working on, on me with it. But I, it snuck out. That wasn't your fault, that was mine. I didn't like what you did, but... My response was sin, and it was wrong, and it came from here, and I apologize. In this orchard of my heart, there's still some briars growing, some brambles. Lord, as you've given me a new heart, root these things out. Lord, the great gardener, root them out. 
if you're ready for that, you're going to find that the primary way that Jesus does this is by bringing challenging people into your life. So that as you get bumped and you spill what you're full of, that's a gift from your Savior. This goes back to what we talked about. Suddenly you're going, I got this log in my eye. This speck, the fact that you didn't turn the lights off in the house after I've told you 20 times is nothing compared to the fact that I yelled at you for not doing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are a people who by your grace, I know there are many in this room that have been recipients of a new heart. That it was planted right in the middle of a giant thorn bush. Lord, I know that you will conquer our thorny hearts. You will. Your grace will win the day, if not now, then the moment we are freed from this body. Help us in the meantime to acknowledge our own faults, to acknowledge where they come from, to cry out for you for renewed and regenerated hearts, and to start the process again every week. Help us to keep at this until the day that we die. In Christ's name I pray these things. Amen.